Hi, welcome back to The Green Place. My name's Alyssa. I'm Valerie. And I'm Valeria. I hope you are having a wonderful day. Today's podcast is going to be about climate change. The question is, should the U.S. government take aggressive steps to combat climate change? One question that we should address first is how greenhouse gases are made in the first place. Alyssa, how are greenhouse gases made? Yeah, Valeria, greenhouse gases such as carbon dioxide are made by burning fossil fuels, such as, such as coal and oil. These are the factors making climate change. The United States should take a more aggressive approach to combat climate change, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I think so too. It will help with the world. It will help the world and hopefully reduce wildfires, droughts, rising sea levels, and reduce the CO2 levels in the atmosphere. These extreme weather conditions are no joke. The change in weather is causing entire species to die off. Did you guys know that scientists already linked climate change to everything Valeria said, but it's also growing the risk of extinction of species ranging from butterflies to polar bears? If we don't make any changes to our daily lives, then we can go to a point of no return, which is a scary thought. Climate change is the cause of so many things around the globe. That's honestly crazy how much human activity and economic growth can affect the earth. Everyone in the science community agrees that human activity is the cause of these big changes. I mean, the earth could have been thriving without humans. We need to control how much water we use and the carbon we release and even what food we eat. Alyssa, you're right. The earth truly could. Not only do the greenhouse gases created by factories affect the animals, but it also affects the climate and affects the people living in the surrounding areas. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. It can totally harm people's health. Yeah, I can. Like, imagine breathing in high levels of carbon dioxide every single day. I read an article by Air Quality News that breathing in a lot of CO2 can cause reduced cognitive performances and kidney and bone problems. I definitely don't think that's a good thing. I think if we don't take aggressive steps to combat climate climate change, people's health problems could get even worse, and so can all the other issues. For example, the communities of color suffer way more when deadly heat waves come because they don't have access to well-air-conditioned homes and they don't have insurance. Yeah, I think so, too. But opponents say it would increase unemployment rates. Wouldn't that just cause more problems? Well, I don't think it would because we learned in the previous podcast bringing in green jobs would actually benefit employment rates. Yeah, and they pay well, too. I completely forgot about that. Well, will, they will solve their, pro- their problems. Yep, problem solved. Um, but the only thing I don't really agree with on the supporter side is using policies like cap and trade because companies can buy permissions to produce greenhouse gases. Doesn't that mean that companies with big money are able to buy multiple permissions to produce more greenhouse gases? Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm talking about. They should just get rid of cap and trade if it is going to be abused like that, don't you think? It should. Or like, 
at least make regulations better. Yeah, like setting a cap that can't be bought off. Great idea. But But they should be thought out. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) thought out steps, not like going all in without thinking. The all or nothing mindset doesn't work in this situation. It really doesn't. Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay, guys, it's our time. Our time is coming to an end, so pretty much we learned that the government should do more when it comes to the battle of climate change. Because if not, then we'll live in a world where the animal population has decreased drastically and pollution is so bad that we can barely breathe. I saw on the news that Biden is starting the road to recovery by creating more regulations to control climate change, which is wonderful. I completely agree. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. This is The Green Place signing out. Bye. Bye. Yeah. So the first question is, how does the world of environmental policy work? Uh, well, when it does work, right? Uh, so, so <laughs> yeah. you know, you all in California have um, a more, let's say, a more functional um, government when it comes to dealing with environmental issues, and and so there, there's there's uh, a real appetite for um, uh, tackling these issues. I work at the federal level, uh, where uh, while there are certainly um, individuals. And in, um, you know, coalitions of politicians that really want to see um, uh, big change happen on environmental issues. There's a lot of intransigence that makes it really hard to get through, and so um, there have not been a lot of big, broad environmental policies. Uh, you know, we still often talk about the the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act uh, as, as like dominant environmental policies, uh, and those were passed in the early 1970s. Um, uh, the last big effort to pass a climate bill uh, was 2009. It was Obama's first year. Uh, the House passed something called the Waxman-Markey uh, Act that um, uh, then went to the democratically con- controlled Senate, and they kind of hemmed and hawed about it, didn't have all the votes, and uh, they ultimately, I don't even They either rejected the bill or never even voted on it. And so that means that rather than some big overarching federal policy on climate, it happens in bits and pieces here and there. Um, A lot of it happening at the executive level, though not for the past four years, but that looks to be changing, um, where uh, the the president uh, issues executive orders that are within um, uh, the executive branch's power structure uh, to to um, uh, implement unilateral changes. It is not perfect. It relies on a lot of uh, fine print and loopholes, and it takes a while to get through reviews. Um, and so it is it is not getting done what really should be done um, for us to make meaningful. Uh, benefits, uh, change, improvements to the climate. Okay, well, that, that was a really good answer. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, well, the second question is going to be, what do you what do you do to improve environmental policy? Can I ask you mean like the the policy making process or what do you do to um like what would be some good laws to pass? What would be some good laws to pass? Sure. Well, again, from a climate change perspective, I think the single biggest thing that um, uh, would would propel things forward is putting a price on carbon. Uh, and you can do that in a lot of different ways. Um, you sometimes you might get a cap and trade or a carbon tax. That's, um, that's, that's all under this umbrella of putting a price on carbon. And what that means is, is that right now, uh, if you, uh, no matter who you are, an individual, a uh, corporation, whatever, um, it, it is free for you to fill the atmosphere with as much carbon dioxide as you would like. Um, no one, there's maybe a few regulations here and there that might make it difficult, but ultimately it's free to pollute. And what a carbon tax would do is say no for every ton of carbon dioxide or other pollutants, um, and you can be some math for how that would work. Uh, whatever climate change uh, um, pollution you put into the atmosphere, you pay the governments, you know, X amount. And what that does is it, it creates a fan financial incentive to uh, further reduce your emissions. I mean, there is now in the sense that like um, uh, coal power is now more expensive than solar power. So it's in your financial interest to switch to solar. But you would make coal and other fossil fuels even more expensive if you charged uh, corporations on the back end uh, for the pollution. Uh, and since there's no pollution from solar and wind, uh, um, that would that would help those technologies really um, move forward and push the fossil fuels um, into a technology of the past. Um. I have a question. Okay. And while I was doing research for the podcast, um, it, I kept seeing that like cap and trade wasn't good yeah. because, because like you could like buy off uh -huh. to buy, to release more CO2 into the atmosphere. Yes. So cap and trade is not the best way to do it. I will give you, mm -hmm. yes. Um, in there, and I don't think that that would be the policy solution anymore. I think we're closer to a carbon tax. Um, cap and trade would be better than what we have now, which is basically nothing. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, there would be there. Cap and trade allows for a lot of loopholes, a lot of um, you know Wall Street malfeasance um, uh, to try to exploit the system. Uh, but it, but there would at least still be a price on carbon, and there would be. Um, uh, people looking to avoid polluting and looking to invest and, and there'll be more money to invest in clean technologies. That being said, um, a, a carbon tax, uh, and sometimes you see like called tax and dividend uh, would make a lot of sense. A tax and dividend is this idea that like, yes, all this, um, we're, we're gonna charge everybody for use of fossil fuels, which is going to like increase the, the, uh, the price of gasoline, right? Uh, and so that's going to um, be felt, uh, especially on uh, lower income households. Like they're, they're, they're more sensitive to fluctuations in prices of, of fuels. So what uh, 
tax and dividend says is, okay, we're going to tax everybody, but then we're going to pay it back to the people that need it most. So the idea being that, you know, you get this check from the government once a year um, that hopefully more than offsets the uh, increase in fuel prices you've had to pay because of a carbon tax. Okay, makes sense now. Um, the next question is, why is environmental po policy important? Uh, because we found no other uh, uh, worlds that will support human life. So we're kind of stuck with this one. Uh, and if we don't uh, get better environmental policy, we're going to um, use up, burn up the only home we have. Mm -hmm. So what's causing climate change to happen? Uh, that is a big complicated question to answer, but the short version is, is that um, uh, uh, there are a lot of people on earth and uh, everyone, uh, and especially the corporations um, are doing things that are um, putting greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. Uh, it's not as simple as carbon dioxide. There are, um, methane is um, 25 times more powerful uh, a, a warming uh, um, pollutant than carbon dioxide is. There's just not as much of it. Um, and their ends, um, particular a matter can really drive emissions. There, there's a variety of things that are going on. But uh, basically, we're just we're, uh, changing the atmosphere of this planet to something that this planet has never seen before. And that has consequences. Mm -hmm. What, what can a normal per person do to stop climate change? Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a hard one because it's such a global issue and it has, um, the, the impacts are global. You know, with, with, say, smog in Southern California, there were some factors from outside the area that were driving it, but for the most part, if Southern, when Southern California took action to address smog, it got better. Um, it's, it's, it, was a, it was primarily a local problem with a local solution. Climate change is a global problem that needs a global solution uh, to, to handle it. Um, you know, Southern California could make all the changes in the world and actually wouldn't make that big a difference to the local area. I mean, there would be a lot of benefits in terms of reducing other kinds of pollution. It would be good for the local economy. Like there all, there's all these reasons to do it. Um, except that, you know, your atmosphere wouldn't be cooler than, uh, you know, Arizona's atmosphere, for example. Um, so different people have different opinions about like how much does the individual matter, um, you know, and, and folks that like give up their cars and, and only bike everywhere uh, or, or stop eating meat because uh, meat production actually has a really big climate footprint. That's all very noble. Um, and, and I, I don't do those things. Like I try to make some choices in my life that like, yeah, I'm trying to be energy efficient um, and, and, you know, reduce waste. But ultimately we need like big uh, system-wide changes. And so I, what I think 
individuals can do that uh, matters the most is vote for leaders that uh, say they want to address climate change uh, in big ways and then hold those leaders accountable to make sure that they do that because we need big policy um, making in order to really address climate. And that's even just at the national scale, right? I mean, there's, this is a global problem, but I think um, the United States is responsible for so much of the pollution, especially on a per capita basis, that it is up to us to deal with our own um, uh, addiction to pollution um, in order to uh, uh, help the world along with what we all need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the next question is, why should we consider climate change to be a threat? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it, it will impact so many things. It's already impacting so much of our daily lives. And you hear like, we're trying to avoid two degrees of warming. And you think like, what's the difference between 83 and 85? Like, how does, how does that really matter? Um, mm-hmm. What happens though, is that it's, that's a global average. Uh, the average of the poles will be 10, 15 degrees warmer. And um, I mean, maybe you see in the news right now about how uh, it's bitterly cold uh, in Texas and the Southeast. And that's because yeah. the Arctic uh, has a huge influence on uh, w- uh, weather patterns throughout the entire hemisphere. And as we warm up the Arctic a lot, it kind of just wreaks havoc with global weather systems. Um, but beyond that, I mean, we're, we're, we're those are extreme events. Like, you know, the concern is not that it's going to be 10 degrees in Texas all the time, um, but that mm-hmm. just on average, you are going to um, uh, be changing like how uh, well agriculture regions can grow the crops they've been growing for hundreds of years. Um, uh, uh, water supplies can become a real issue. Um, you know, rising sea levels, it's not going to flood the Rockies, but it, but so much of the world's population lives within a couple miles of the ocean that we're really looking at mass um, uh, displacement of people and, and, and trying to figure out where those people are going to go, how we're going to take care of them. I mean, that's, that's, it's not going to be like an overnight natural disaster, but it's going to be this slow-moving uh, uh, disaster that uh, is just there's just no going to be no turning it back once it really starts happening in a way um, that, that's um, uh, causing real damage. I mean, it's already causing real damage. It shouldn't make it sound like it's all in the future. So yeah, I mean, food supply, uh, water supply, where you're going to live. Um, those are some basic human needs and those are all under threat uh, from climate. Mm-hmm. Is climate change linked to carbon dioxide yes, production? But not just that. Um, so, you know, it's uh, so here in the United States, uh, climate greenhouse gases are primarily 40% from buildings, uh, uh, 40% from transportation, and then 20% other. So, transportation, that's mostly. Um, uh, carbon dioxide coming out of vehicle tailpipes, though uh, other forms, some certain forms of transportation like uh, diesel trucks and uh, ships spew out all sorts of harmful pollutants 
um, that have that have warming impacts. Um, uh, Forty percent for buildings. That means both um, like fuels that we have on site for buildings to to burn for heats, whether that's uh, natural gas, propane, wh uh, whatever. So that emits carbon dioxide. But then also we use lots of coal, natural gas, um, uh, and other fuels to run our power plants and to then provide electricity for our buildings or heat for our buildings. And that also um, uh, counts in that 40%. So it, it's, there's a lot of sources. Um, agriculture, there's plenty of methane coming from the agriculture sector. That is also a big problem for climate change. And so we should look at how we grow our crops and raise our uh, livestock in ways that are uh, as uh, carbon efficient as possible. And then there's things like there's massive fires um, in, uh, uh, well, you California, obviously have experienced uh, massive fires, but there's uh, even larger ones in kind of the, the Arctic regions that is just setting up plumes of um, ash and black carbon. And, and that it was not necessarily CO2, though some CO2 comes from that, but those, those clouds forming um, from burning of forests have a very direct impact on climate. So the bigger those fires get, the more out of control they are, um, the more contribution to climbing, especially in vulnerable regions like um, uh, the North Pole. If we do not take action to stop climate change, then what will happen to the future on our Earth? Uh, Earth's going to be a less uh, uh, habitable place. And the thing about it is that uh, uh, the rich people, uh, and especially the, and just the rich countries, and especially the rich people in the rich countries, they'll be fine. They'll be able to move... Uh, to you know, acquire the resources they need. Like the planet is not going to become completely uninhabitable. It's going to be a lot harder though to uh, to to live comfortably, um, and for those for for the most marginalized populations, for uh, uh, you know um, either people in developing countries or even uh, the less fortunate in developed countries they are going to feel the impacts the hardest because they're going to have the least number of resources to adapt to the changes. And so, uh, you know, uh, public health uh, issues will get worse. Um, um, poverty will get worse. Uh, there'll, be, uh, there'll be mass migrations of people because where a lot of people are now will no longer be habitable. And it's just going to be a colossal global problem uh, that there are no easy answers on how to solve. Like how many years from now would that all happen? So it's starting to happen already um, in particularly low-lying places. Uh -huh. I mean, places, uh, well, an easy one are um, uh, some Pacific islands where tribes have lived there for however many thousand, you know, uh, thousands of years. And uh, they're, they're, the, water, the rising water is washing away their island. So they need a new place to live. Um, uh, places like mm -hmm. Bangladesh uh, have their geography. It's just a, a lot of people are in low-lying areas that um, are particularly susceptible to rising sea levels. 
uh, just the way the geography is. Uh, so yeah, no, it, um, climate impact, severe climate impacts are happening um, now. It's it's it can be hard to say any one thing is happening because climate change, except but you can um, you can credibly say that all of these natural disasters that are happening are made more likely and made worse by climate change. So, um, you know, there, there would still be hurricanes and fires and uh, floods without climate change, but the, the, uh, the current conditions are making all of those scenarios more likely and they're making each one worse. And that's only gonna get uh, worse from here. And then how can leaders prevent climate change? Uh, sure. So there, I, I've been a real downer up until now, I, I, I acknowledge. <laughs> um, but there's, there's, there are definitely a lot of uh, hopeful areas. I think that the, the, we're moving in the right direction in a lot of ways. The question now is, are we going to go fast enough? And are we going to go uh, as far as we need to? Um, with some of these changes. Uh, wind and solar power um, are getting incredibly inexpensive and they're really starting to get a foothold in the markets. Um, uh, and we just need a lot more of that. Uh, coal power is mostly on its way out. The problem is that it was largely replaced by natural gas power, which isn't that much better than coal. It's better, but not much better. So we need to uh, make sure we are uh, cleaning up the grid as much as possible. Uh, a, uh, an electric grid that is 80% renewable energy up to even 100% renewable energy is such an important thing because not only does it solve that a lot of that building problem, like the 40% of climate change um, in the uh, climate change emissions in the US attributed to buildings, you do a, you change, you clean a lot of that up real quick if you make your grid renewable. Um, but then also at, with electric cars um, really advancing, um, that's a big opportunity to get rid of that other 40% from transportation. So, um, but, but then the other part is that the most, the, the, <laughs> the cheapest kind of fuel you can use is the one you don't need, which is why it's just so important to get um, uh, more energy efficient. It's like, for example, it's, makes a lot more sense from both a financial and a climate perspective to take a house and make that house a lot more energy efficient than it is to keep that house the same kind of drafty, leaky uh, uh, house and slap solar panels on the top of it. Uh, that, that doesn't make sense. Like better to invest, uh, it, it's, it's cheaper to invest in that house to be more efficient than it is to invest in panels. You can do both, great. Um, so yeah, it's it's, largely a technology issue. Um, we, it's also a political issue. There's lots of powerful uh, uh, interests that want to, you know, they, they, they own oil fields, they own uh, mines, and they uh, don't want to see this change happen. They want to they extract every last bit uh, um, from their investment, uh, the plan to be damned. So we need to <laughs> figure out ways to overcome that but yeah uh, let's let's electrify as much of the economy as we can uh, while making the electric grid 
100% renewable, and that's going to go a long way to what we need to do. Mm -hmm. The last question is, how does it affect humans? I mean, I think we covered that. It's, you know, we're, we're in trouble. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Especially if you don't have um, <laughs> uh, money to throw at the problem. Uh, so, yeah, no, um, it's, I think what is it? Our, our water supply is in trouble, our food supply is in trouble, and uh, a lot of us are, would, would need to move. Um, so that, that seems like mm -hmm. uh, a decent enough impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. The, I think that's all our questions for today. Thank you for answering them. Thank you. I was happy to do it. Uh, good luck with everything. Um, and I think it's really cool you guys are doing this. I don't think I really spent cool. more than 10 minutes in high school thinking about climate change. It just wasn't a thing. See, I graduated high school in 02, <laughs> and just climate was not a thing we talked about. Uh, not even in college, really, all that much. It, I mean, it really was... Uh, like Al Gore came out with this documentary in 2000, late 2006, early 2007, I want to say. And that's when, that, that was the big wake up for me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so the fact you guys are thinking about it this much already, I, I think it's exactly what we need to, uh, to get a handle.